The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Vince Rocco, and you're listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate here on the Voice America Network. On today's show, I will be talking everything Los Angeles. L.A. is a global city and is the most populous city in the state of California and the second most populous city in the U.S. after New York. Many prospective home buyers and renters are moving to L.A. either for work or to be closer to their family. Others are just moving around the L.A. area and are long-time residents. My guest today on the show is Josh Altman, superstar real estate agent and considered one of the most successful agents in the country. Josh focuses his business in what is known as the Platinum Triangle, which is Beverly Hills, Bel Air, and Homely Hills. He works as a team with his brother Matt, the Altman brothers, for Hilton and Highland Real Estate in Beverly Hills. Josh is also the star of Bravo TV's Million Dollar Listing. Good morning, Josh. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. So you joined the show in Season 4 in 2011, and this is um, Season 7 coming up, correct? Yeah. Before we get into you and your personal business off the show, my listeners would love to know why this show has lasted so long. What is it about the franchise that's so appealing? Everybody's interested in real estate, especially now in a hot market. Uh, who doesn't like walking through multi-million dollar houses, apartments? Uh, everybody likes to dream, and what a better way to do it than when you get home from the office, turn on the TV, and see some of the, the greatest homes you have access to. Um, I think there's something very sexy about high-end real estate, uh, and at the same time, the drama that comes along with the uh, you know the high commissions uh, and the high stakes. It's almost like a, a big poker game. It really is. I mean, it's the same here in New York, but for some reason, it, it comes across so much more glamorous as you guys out in uh, oh. L.A. Uh, present it. It's more glamorous out in L.A. Come on. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. So <laughs> is the show currently in production? Yeah, we're uh, we're about halfway through season seven right now. You guys will probably end up seeing it uh, late August. And, I was going to ask you, when is it air? Yeah, my, my fourth season. Right. So what are you looking forward to in this particular season personally and why? Well, this season's a little different for me uh, because of where I am in the market, where I am in my business. The most important is that I'm opening up the Altman Brothers this year uh, and, and opening up the office and growing, hiring new agents. And at the same time, I'm, I'm, I have a new hat on, which is a, a developer and investor hat. Uh, 
so that's something that I haven't done in the past because I haven't really had time to do it. Um, but with the market where it is right now, as hot as it is, uh, you know, our, our market out in L.A. is is on fire just as much as it is out in New York City with you guys. Uh, you kind of just got to take advantage of everything while you can. Uh, listen, I've been through a down market before, and I've been in an up market. Uh, and, and I learned that you rest in the down market, not not when it's hot. You, you just keep going, and you go as hard as you possibly can. So tell me a little bit about the, the development. You are looking to build homes, spec houses? Yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, I'm in development. I'm, I'm investing in properties with my clients now, which is nice because uh, – access to more capital that uh, I can be involved in some of these incredible deals that I bring to my clients if they allow me to invest with them. I always put my client first, and then if it's something they want to do after that, then uh, uh, we can figure it out. But, uh, you know, flipping properties, uh, but at the same time, my bread and butter is always representing them. I hear you. You know, I notice on on both shows, but yours especially, you know, the program seems to be delving more into your personal lives the past few seasons. Why is that? And do you find that more helpful? Yeah, well, it's, listen, at the end of the day, people have to relate to the characters on a show. uh, And nobody wants to see somebody go get a listing and sell a listing every day. It's not, it's not as interesting as, uh, you know, following the lives of us and, and, the, the stuff that goes on outside of the business, if there's any time that that actually happens, that we're not working. Um, right. For instance, I met my fiance on the show, so I got engaged. They followed that. Uh, we're getting married this year as well, which will be a uh, uh, which will be fun for us. And you know, at the same time, building the businesses and the drama. I mean, the drama between agents. I don't know how much I love it, but uh, everybody else in the world seems to love it, and they love when we're up against each other. So it's, you know, that's, that's what's good for the ratings, and that's what we give them. Before we move on to other stuff, I, I, I did want to touch on that just a bit. I mean, you happen to be my favorite broker on the show, and I mean that. But how exaggerated is your show persona from your real business off the air? Well, you got to realize we tape for about 10 months a year. Uh, so they have a lot of footage. And when you narrow it down to 12 hours of episodes, you know, divided by three, because I'm one of three people on the show, uh, you know, they got a lot to choose from. And so they're going to choose the, I guess to say, juiciest stuff that they can find um, and, and put it out on there. And you know what? I'm totally fine. Listen, everybody knows that I work with, that, that I'm 24-7. I love what I do. I'm the hardest working person out there, and I'll do anything for my clients. And at the end of the day, if you like me or you don't like me, uh, I'm the guy that you're going to want to represent your money, and that's for sure. What's your real relationship with Josh and Madison? You know, as, as far as agents go, and I think it's very important that everybody realizes this in, in, in real estate, it's all about relationships. So where we might have a, a, a scuffle every once in a while, at the end of the day, let's say Josh Flagg has a client that wants you know, one of my properties, we're best friends for that escrow. So uh, <laughs> I don't take anything personally. I come from a mortgage background. I have very tough skin, and, and I've learned time and time again in this business not to take anything personally. Uh, and, and, you know, not everything's going to go your way. Um, so you kind of just move on from it. Yeah, because I agree with you, and I think there's a lot more to Josh Altman than Million Dollar Listing. Your background is very interesting. Coming from Newton, Mass., went to Syracuse, degree in speech communications, which I, by the way, got as well, played football. <laughs> You know, progression from your early years to becoming a very successful broker, where you are today, how briefly did that happen? Did you always have your eye on real estate? 
Well, no, I originally moved out to uh, Los Angeles about 12 years ago, started in the mailroom, making $8.50 an hour for an entertainment company. Uh, I ended up by mistake getting into real estate when I ended up putting uh, the money that I had saved together with my brother's money. We bought our first property, flipped it, made a good profit. Next thing I know, I say, you know, real estate for me, forget this mailroom stuff. Ended up buying more and more properties and rolling everything into the next one. Uh, from there, got into the mortgage business because I didn't want to give away any money from the profits. Uh, and then eventually got into the, uh, the representing side. Uh, so it, 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 you know, I always loved real estate, but that's not why I moved out to LA. But now, you know, I've been doing it for over 10 years. So when you were working as an investor and a flipper, whatever, were there specific types of properties that you were looking for or just anything that was priced well or, you know, made the most sense? Yeah, well, at that time, it was just anything that we could find because the market was hot. It was 2002, 2003. All you had to do was buy a place and throw some paint on it and flip it. Uh, Now what I'm looking for is trophy properties. Uh, In the high-end market, there's always a market, no matter what the economy is like, uh, for trophy properties and something that's special. Uh, if it's something that you can't recreate, if it's a view that's view properties, for instance, right now are selling like crazy. If you can find that special property with an unobstructed view, I, I go after it. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for specifically right now. Yeah, I saw one of your Hollywood Hills listings on a broker caravan about a month ago. Um, it was spectacular view wise. It was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, you represent entertainers, athletes and, you know, international clientele. Where do you find your clients? Oh, I find them everywhere. Uh, I, I think at this point, probably 50% of my business is referral from other clients. Uh, and then the other 50% really comes, I mean, let's, let's give you an example. The other day I was at Starbucks. I ran into somebody that I, I knew, uh, and he said, listen, Josh, I can't find any properties. I've been looking for a while. I said, what are you looking for? Literally the next day, we're in escrow for a $15.5 million house. So where where do I find these people? Everywhere, because I'm everywhere. I make it my business to be everywhere. I'm nonstop. I'm a marketing machine. I'm, you know, when when you're, uh, instead of sitting in the office doing some work, why don't you sit in Starbucks do some work? So you can see, people can see you and put some, you know, MLS listing sheets on the side of the table so people know you're in real estate. You know, all those little tricks to make sure you're out there. Keep reminding people what you do every day. Uh, I, I think that's where the rest of them come in. Yeah, and I and I love the dynamic you mentioned your brother. Um, so, but the dynamic between the two of you is it easy to work with him or on a daily basis? Are you competitive? Uh, is Heather involved in the Altman brothers? You know how how is that working? Got it. So uh, my brother and I have a, a unbreakable relationship. He's my brother. He's blood. Uh, my money's his. His money's mine. We have a competitive, a fun competitive uh, atmosphere, but we're never against each other. Most people don't realize how insanely amazing of an agent Matt is uh, because he's not on the show as much as I am. You were talking about a guy who was one of the youngest uh, Hollywood talent agents in the history of this town and then moved over to the real estate side. He deals with people uh, 10 times better than I could ever deal with them. Uh, so that's nice. It's nice having him as a partner, and, and it's important to have someone you can trust. As far as Heather goes, uh, you're going to have to tune in this season to, to see what happens. 
Uh, the, when we had <laughs> left it, I was not allowing her to work with us because I wanted to separate business and pleasure. Right. Um, so you have to tune in the season to see what happens with that. All right. That's uh, fair enough. So, you know, <laughs> my opinion, you're very fashion conscious and always seem to be well-dressed. You look like a million dollars. Where do you shop and why is that important to you? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's very important from something that I, I learned a long time ago from my father. It's if you dress sharp and look sharp, people are going to take you more seriously. Uh, and, and I have a saying, uh, look as if you can afford the houses you show. So I, I don't know about you, but if I was going to spend $10 million on a list on a, on a house uh, and somebody was showing me the house, looked like they couldn't afford it, why am I going to listen to that guy where I'm going to put my $10 million? So I think it's very important to look sharp, be on your A-game at all times, especially dealing in the high-end market. Uh, my suits, I mean, listen, I, I have custom suit makers, but, you know, before I had, you know, enough money to get customs, I would go over to Bloomingdale's and I'd just buy them off the rack. I mean, you don't have to, I always say, you don't need a Ferrari to show your clients around, but make sure your, your car's clean, you have two waters in the back seat, so your clients feel like a million bucks. I agree. Listen, in my research, I found five of your top, business tips to be successful. A, love what you do. B, be 24-7, and you just mentioned that. Yep. C, be hard on yourself. Treat everyone with respect. And the last one, separate yourself from everyone else. I wanted to ask you about that. Separate your sum, yourself from everyone else. How and why? Yeah, so uh, there's a crazy fact uh, in this business that 5% of the realtors do 95% of the work in your town, which is really you know, that was something that shocked me. Uh, and it's true because all the high, all the people that are doing most of the business is not that many. Everybody else are, are kind of half, half-time realtors that we like to call actors out in L.A. I don't know what you guys call them in New York, but it's the like same. everybody gets off the bus and uh, all of a sudden they're here to act, but they decide they want to go get their real estate license first just in case they meet somebody. Um, but uh, I think separating yourself is is very important because you, you got to find what your niche is. You got to find in those listing meetings what's going to separate yourself. People's uh, people's real estate game has risen to a point where if you're not uh, on the top of your game when you're sitting in front of these clients, you don't have. I mean, the way that I personally separate myself is overseas clientele. Uh, I specialize in marketing overseas. We have a lot of Chinese, Russians, Saudis out here. Uh, and, and I specialize in marketing to them, not only locally, but more importantly, globally. you got to market globally. Buyers are smarter these days. They have access to the same stuff you do, uh, so you got to make sure you're on the top of your game. Absolutely. You have an interesting energy that's hard to miss on the show. How do you stay so inspired? And obviously, hearing you this morning, you carry that into your, your personal business and your personal life. But what is it about that energy? Oh, it stands you out. Yeah, it's strictly the number one of what you had said. I, I love what I do. I'd be doing this stuff for free. I was looking at open houses before I was a realtor. Uh, I absolutely love the art of the deal, sitting in a, a, a multiple offer situation, negotiating for my client, going to war every day. Uh, you know, I, I come from a, an athletic background where I felt it was so important to visualize and be mentally prepared for everything that I do when I'm on the field. And that's the same way that I uh, treat my clients and, and these deals. I mean, I go into a deal, you know, putting on my suit a certain way. Everything I do is a certain way. I love every aspect of real estate, no matter what it is, from short sales to uh, commercial deals to high-end real estate to 
foreclosures. It doesn't matter. I love every aspect and, and the opportunity of not having a ceiling on what you can make and on what you can do uh, is something that just completely inspires me. And, you know, I wake up every morning excited to do what I do. People ask me what I do on my free time. I say, what's that? I'm doing what I want to do all day, and that's real estate. So I don't need any free time because that is my free time. All right. So last question. What What is next for Josh Altman? How do you top where you are today? I get a sense that you aren't finished. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just getting started. Um, what's next for me? Well, an important part of this year is going to be coming out with uh, uh, mentoring um, mentoring programs for people. I get emails from, you know, the show plays 250 countries around the world, 2 million viewers an episode, reruns all the time. So I get inundated with emails on people asking, uh, how do you get to where you are? How, how do you become successful in real estate? How do you become successful in investing? So that's something that now I'm at the point where I'd love to get back and help these people get to the point where I got, uh, because I got some great help and, and I'd love to help other people. So uh, the whole mentoring programs are, are going to be coming out this year that I'm real excited about, so you can look out for that as well. Josh Altman, thank you so much for joining the program today. I wish you great continued success and happiness. Good luck on Season 7, and hope to talk to you soon. You as well. Thanks for having me. Sell, sell, Thanks a lot. sell. Talk to you Thank later. you. Will do. Bye. We'll be right back. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. Thanks to Josh Altman once again. Talking to L.A. top brokers, Denise Rosner and Stephen Aaron, both from Keller Williams, uh, Beverly Hills. Stephen began his career as an interior designer, then moved into executive management at Barney's New York Home Department until finding his real passion in real estate, where he is currently the broker of record and associate manager at Keller Williams Beverly Hills. 
Stephen has been able to build a loyal clientele with a reputation based on results, directness, tenacity, and all served by his proven negotiation skills. He is a native Angelinos, born, raised, and educated in the Beverly Hills area. Denise Rosner lived and worked in New York for 23 years and 11 of those years in real estate, now three more in L.A., after becoming a giant success selling over $100 million in residential properties, she decided to move back to her native Los Angeles, where she is bringing her uncommonly excellent real estate skills to Keller Williams Beverly Hills. She is one of the best agents I've ever met and worked with. We are personally partners in a bi-coastal business, and our banner is Rosner Rocco for all of your L.A. or New York real estate needs. She is my friend, and I'm delighted to have both Denise and Stephen with me on the program this morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. So since the start of the year, we've seen a number of records broken here in New York across the board for a variety of reasons. Foreign nationals, local residents, pied terres empty nesters, whatever. Are you seeing the same thing in Los Angeles? We are seeing some definite records being broken. Uh, There was one fabulous uh, West Los Angeles mansion that recently, just as of April, sold for a record-breaking $102 million, which is really incredible for the Los Angeles market. Um, So we are seeing records being broken here. It's mainly in the tens of millions and up, and primarily... Um, celebrity and entertainment focused. Well, I was going to ask you, what what is the profile of that luxury or very high-end buyer that you're seeing today? Well, it's the same buyer that, you know, we've pretty much had. It's a lot of uh, either celebrities or people in the entertainment business. You know, there are a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't necessarily know who they are who are very involved in the entertainment industry. But, you know, one thing that I want to mention, Vince, is that I think that L.A. is the favorite city in the country, not New York. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you that, Stephen. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to set that up at the beginning of our talk. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) All right, so it appears that the worst of the real estate crisis is behind California, which stood out as one of the highest in the nation. According to the reports that I've read, the improving economy and rising house prices are the major factors in the foreclosure decline. Can you comment on this? Um, Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, what has happened is that the distressed properties, the foreclosures, the trust sales, the short sales, those have really worked out in the wash. And um, so we see very few of those on the market in the last, I'd say, um, 18 months. And so um, with, in our market, there's low inventory. You know, a, a real estate market is made of supply and demand. And so it's really about how many properties are out there and how many buyers are out there. And so we have fewer properties and more buyers. Uh, lenders have, uh, you know, loosened up their guidelines. So we're really able to... Uh, uh, have more buyers in the market. And so what that creates, it creates upward pricing pressure. So as a result, at really at most price points, if you have a great property, you're going to have multiple offers. 
and we're seeing at many price points that properties are selling for more than uh, any of us could have uh, uh, projected. So over asking price, potential bidding wars. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and 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 even more than over asking, over the last higher than the last sale. So. So even though it could be over asking, you say, okay, well, this property is only going to go for X amount of money because the sale down the block, which was a similar house, went for X. And it ends up going for substantially more money. Part of what's happening is that it takes anywhere from three to six offers till a buyer gets into escrow. So the buyers are frustrated. They're losing out. They're having to go back and find more properties. So when they get to the point where they actually are in tune with the market, they say, you know what, I'm ready to buy a house. I'm willing to put down the extra money. They say to their agent, tell me what I have to do to get this property. Stephen, on the heels of that, can you describe what a distressed property is and are investors buying these properties? Well, distressed properties are any properties that are – um, where the owners are financially in trouble or it's a property that's been taken back by the bank. Um, like I said, it was foreclosures, um, uh, trust sales, short sales is when a, when a owner is upside down and the bank has to agree to take a haircut and uh, take less than they owe on that. So, yes, yeah, so that's really so much of the business back in 2010 in 2011, and the investor opportunities were focused there. But now that shifted. And um, so what we're seeing now with investors is we're seeing um, properties being purchased off-market. Um, we're seeing, um, in my business, I have my, I call them my civilian clients, and then I have my investor clients. And so it's about bringing them opportunities through, uh, through my network in order to, um, you know, to have those opportunities in the market. And, and they're out there. They're out there, but they're under the radar. And as professionals, we have access to those properties um, when they come along. I would assume through your personal networks and your referral base, et cetera. Question for both of you. How do you actually find your clientele? My clientele has always come, for the most part, through referral. Uh, when I first got into the business in New York, I just started having as many open houses as I possibly could. And I was very successful at converting the buyers that came through the open house into my loyal clients, who then eventually also became sellers. But as I built up my business uh, over a, a dozen years ago, and as it's continued here in Los Angeles, where I'm actually from, the vast majority of my business comes from somebody that I know or somebody who knows somebody that I know. Steve, the same for you. I mean, you've been in the L.A. market a little bit longer uh, and obviously very successful as well. I mean, how is your referral base and is it really the basis of your business? Like I said, it's both. It's a combination of um, referrals. It's a combination of repeat clients and a combination of my investor <laughs> clients. I just... Um, I'm closing on a um, unit in West Hollywood today that I sold to a client 10 years ago and uh, ended up selling them a property 
uh, on the west side. So, you know, I, I really view any opportunity that I have with a new client as a client for life. So it's not just about getting them in escrow, getting that deal closed. It's really about establishing a long-term relationship. So it's all about relationships and, and what are some of the standards in which um, a realtor or any realtor runs their business. So for me, it's all about relationships and that having that continuity. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Lesson, lesson learned for the, the younger folk who are coming up in the business. Stephen, you know, client for life. That's probably the best way you can put it. What, so what is trending in the L.A. marketplace these days? Um, people ask me, for example, does the West Coast follow the East Coast or vice versa? I don't know. The women, I see the women wearing platform shoes and high heels. What are they wearing? <laughs> <laughs> How does that translate to real estate? Oh, oh, sorry. I was on the wrong subject. Never mind. <laughs> Denise, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, I would say they're really um, – they're completely different environments. But personally, for me, I spent my career in flats in New York, and now I find myself in heels. <laughs> well, in New but York, they you are, have they to are be in flats. It's not uh, right. you're in pain. <laughs> but they are really different environments. It, it's hard to uh, it's hard to pinpoint uh, if one coast follows the other or vice versa because they are so vastly, vastly different. All right, we've got about a minute and a half left for the first break. What What is the hottest neighborhood these days out there? Well, it depends on your price point. You know, a lot of the surrounding neighborhoods of popular neighborhoods have come up. So, you know, when, someone's, when prices are on the rise and people get priced out, then they go to adjacent neighborhoods. But we're really finding that a lot of the first-time home buyers, um, uh, you know, younger couples, younger younger professionals are buying um, in areas that are further east that um, a lot of us didn't even think would be what they are today, let's say 10 years ago. So that would be like Highland Park, uh, Mount Washington. Um, you know, it used to be Los Feliz and Silver Lake, but those have all right. diversified. So right. now it's east of there, Echo Park. It's, it's those areas east and south. Eagle Rock is also very big, um, Atwater Village, all those areas, as Stephen said, east and, and south. And some of the southern areas have some wonderful character um, homes and, and duplexes. And so since those were areas that didn't have great value 10 or 15 years ago, a lot of homes there were not torn down, and those neighborhoods are charming and intact. And we're mm-hmm. seeing people moving into those areas. Again, it's all part of L.A., but it's just a little further south uh, in areas that may have not been um, appreciated or considered, uh, you know, 10 years ago and have really uh, improved. All right, guys, we're going to go to break. Uh, we will come right back. But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Variety Channel of Voice America. Don't go away. We 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's vrocco at BLURealtyGroup.com. Now, back to the show. Um, so, guys, what... Denise, let me ask you, what is the difference between selling in New York and selling in L.A.? The difference in the purchase process. I'll tell you, Vince, I don't know how long your show is, but we might be better off saying what's not different would be a little, would be a little quicker. That's fair um, enough. <laughs> there, there are so many differences in the New York versus L.A. purchase processes. Um, for starters, as you well know, uh, we as New York brokers were accustomed to the vast majority of our inventory being made up of co-op, uh, cooperative apartments where share where owners are actually shareholders rather than uh, having their ownership um, uh, be it be a deed. Uh, here in Los Angeles, you've got mostly condos and single-family homes. Um, there are some co-ops, but, but very far and few between. Uh, another major difference is in New York, we rely very heavily on our New York-based real estate specialist attorneys. Here in Los Angeles, using an attorney on a real estate transaction is a lot more rare, and it's us, the agent, who is responsible for taking our buyers through the entire uh, purchase process negotiating the contract. In fact, in Los Angeles, we refer to writing an offer, and the form that we write our offer on, the California Association of Realtors 
uh, residential purchase agreement and joint escrow instructions. It's an eight-page form that we submit our offer on, and it goes back and forth. There are counteroffers, perhaps addendums, and once that's all signed off on, that becomes the contract. So and agent, then, we're, res- hmm? we're responsible for creating and, and executing the contract. Correct. No attorneys. No. For the most part, no. Right. All right, let me ask you both. You've been involved in reality TV. Stephen, you was the star of Selling L.A. Denise, you were featured on an episode with a difficult listing. How has TV helped or hurt your businesses? Well, TV's been great. First of all, it was a really great experience to be on that show for four seasons. And um, it's, it's terrific. It's been very validating in the sense that, you know, a lot of people that I know being an L.A. native really uh, – got to see me in action, uh, see how I work, see how I deal with my clients, because the thing about HGTV Selling LA that's very different than a lot of the other reality real estate shows is that it was about the property and it was about the sales process. It wasn't about the agents. Yes, the agents were involved in the flavor and, you know, in charge of our clients and the story. But it was really about the property, so it had a very different uh, different vantage point. But there was a tremendous amount of branding, um, other opportunities to uh, uh, speak. I was a speaker um, this past January at the Real Estate Stagers Association, which was a national convention in um, in, in Las Vegas, and so. Uh, Uh, There's just been a lot of opportunities to get out there and get in front of people. And uh, so it's really branding and and visibility more than anything. So it's definitely been a positive experience as far as business is concerned. Is there a particular reason why reality TV features mostly glamorous and very pricey, splashy homes versus, you know, what you see on – any of the other HGTV programs, House Hunters, for example? Well, we used to call that property porn. That's uh-huh. what the producers at Selling LA called it. You know, there needed to be enough property porn because it, it's, it's what people love to see. They love to see the, the decorating, the interiors, beautiful homes, you know, be able to get into places they normally wouldn't be able to see. So that's something that, that most people love. I mean, when you go to a party and you tell someone that you're a real estate broker, that's what they want to talk about. They want to talk about real estate, and then they tell you where they live. They tell you some of their experiences. So it's, it's kind of a, a common uh, baseline uh, that, that people, uh, I think, vicariously like to be able to see how other people live. I understand. Denise, are you enjoying your time back in L.A. and now in the L.A. real estate market? <laughs> I love being back in Los Angeles. and I don't. (laughs) I just, you know, you know me. I love the business of real estate. I love the relationships of real estate. And to be able to do it back in my hometown where, you know, you wake up and you can see a blue sky mostly every day, I I am enjoying it. I'm loving the the different types of architecture, the, the challenges that come with the differences in the market here. And I'm very happy that I made the move, but glad that I'm also, through my uh, business and personal relationship with you, able to keep my New York business uh, hopping as well. Do you have termites in New York? 
<laughs> we <laughs> we do, but not in Manhattan, pretty no, much. Manhattan. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no termites allowed in Manhattan. They have to pay a big toll. <laughs> I hear you. All right, listen, guys, I've got to go to another break. We will have you back again. I thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a great day and have a great week. Thanks, Dan. Do you ever just ask why? If others, especially children, ask you the same question, how do you answer? Is life a whole bunch of questions just waiting for the right answer? When you tune in to The Mickey Ellison Show, you'll find out how to find the answers and open up so many more questions as you do. At what point in our lives did we stop answering the why questions and just settle for whatever answer we've been programmed to settle for? Never stop asking why. Join Mickey Ellison every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. In today's society, there is just too much competition. Women are taking on the same roles as men. They're working side by side, competing for the same positions. What is happening? This is transferring to how men and women feel about each other and relationships. We're delaying marriages or not even getting married at all. It's time to go back to basics. Listen for this groundbreaking show with host Naftali Schwartz. But it's not really that groundbreaking. It's just a new way of looking at things. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we're back. Joining me today on my star panel, Peru Brumbat from uh, Core Real Estate, Niall Lundgren, president of his own firm, Dalian Realty, and Deborah Hoffman is back from Town Residential. All right, so New York City is in the big leagues of real estate where buyers are out of the front seat and increasingly becoming more frustrated trying to secure a deal. There seems to be a shift happening in the way bidding wars are handled. In a town where there is a shortage of apartments on the market, sellers of desirable properties, well, actually almost any property, are receiving multiple offers and oftentimes last-minute offers after a best and final has been called. Now, that's important. Best and final has been called. Traditionally, may the best man or woman win, highest and best, etc. However, sellers seems to be backing out on these prior agreements and they're going to a new buyer or a new offer, even if it's a few thousand dollars more. 
What is causing this shift? I think a main reason for the shift is because of having tight inventory, low interest rates. You know, there's more buyers both domestically and internationally. And then when when you have that happen, a lot of the uh, the demand is is so intense that the selling or the listing brokers they have to deal with so many offers so that they kind of they're actually forced to go to the best and final because it's 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 impossible. You know, I had a listing where there was over 12 offers on the property. It's impossible to go back and forth with all the different. Um, you know, bidders that are out there. So getting a best and final is, you know, in most cases, the best way to go about it. And then obviously once the bid is called and the bid deadline comes, there are those folks, and I had that even happen to me, where, you know, they had their, their offer, which was a great offer. It was actually the highest offer, but it was, um, it was contingent um, upon financing. And, you know, the seller chose an offer that was all cash um, that was a little bit lower. And uh, then at the end, they, they switched the highest offer switched to all cash, um, and the seller actually um, chose that one because it was uh, all cash. So, you know, it is what it is, and the seller kind of has the right to do that, although, you know, um, that's, that's what's happening. Well, you know, listen, hold, hold, hold on one second, Parul, because, okay, you know, my comment on that would be, you know, what has happened to the handshake and, and, you know, deal is a deal or a yes really means yes. And under the guise of what a best and final is, we should be shaking out all of these offers or interested people prior to that. I mean, I, I, I get it and I'm seeing it as well, but I, I'm curious as to what the mind of the seller is today because it's kind of like not a nice thing to do. Perul, you were going to say? Yeah, actually, you're addressing exactly what I was sort of going to say myself, um, I think that it's also the speed at which that our deals are happening and the and sort of the number of offers that we're getting that I think it's taking out, and I think it's unfortunate, but I think it's taking out the human factor and it's making us increasingly more transactional. So a handshake, um, I think, you know, the notion of that is, you know, the word between two people. It's, it's a very humanistic, you know, relationship-based concept. When there's 12 deals and you're just looking at numbers, it's almost like there are certain deals that you really do end up feeling like all of a sudden you're doing a commercial real estate deal instead of a residential one. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Deborah. Oh, it's interesting because ever since this crazy market began, whenever I meet with a seller for the first time with the listing presentation, I try to prepare them for what's down the road. And once we're ready to put the apartment on the market, I have the talk again, and I try to explain that you may get multiple offers, and we can no longer call it best and final. We have to call it highest and best Mm -hmm. because people will change. And remember, I'm not going to bring you any offers until I look through all their financials first, and you as the seller will have to compare apples to apples and decide inside of you, do you want to go back on a handshake for a couple thousand dollars or for a hundred thousand dollars? It's your choice as the seller, and these things may come up. And I find it's a lot easier, and people feel a lot better and are more fair when they know what's down the road. Yeah, I think the term highest and best, and I might have said this earlier, uh, seems to be more appropriate today. I mean, all of you are making excellent points, as I see in my own business. But I'm also wondering, so even if you 
label it highest and best. I wonder what that's going to mean to the seller. I got to tell you something. I'm in the business long enough to have seen multiple, you know, frenzied markets like this. And then, of course, slow and dead markets. I got to tell you something. This one seems to be the most where sellers are almost, you know, on that chariot (laughs) and they want what they want. It's unbelievable. You know what that's – go ahead. I would say on a positive note, um, just recently I had a situation where one of my sellers um, had an apartment on the market and um, got multiple offers, decided to go with one offer, and then sort of just got cold feet and decided they didn't want to sell at all. At that point, the buyer's broker, and I have to give her a lot of credit, she got in a, a handwritten, very heartfelt note from her buyer's sort of explaining why they love the apartment and how frustrating the process has been for them to, to sort of navigate the market as it is right now. And, um, you know, and would they please consider selling because they really had their heart set on creating this home. And amazingly, it was that note that changed my seller's mind and they went through with the transaction. So, you know, I, I mean, this is definitely an exception, not the rule. But there are some heartwarming stories even in today's market that we do get to experience. Well, I was going to ask that too, and thank you for bringing that up, Rule, because I recently won a bidding war where actually we were not the highest uh, and best. We weren't off by much, but the reason we won and the seller actually came back through his broker and told us is because I had the buyers write a personal note to the sellers I want to live in this apartment because, I love this building because, I want this neighborhood because, our children this, blah, blah, blah. And the seller felt or read compassion in the letter and told his agent, look, you know, for a few thousand dollars, these are the people I want to live in my apartment. With that said, what about, you know, the old um, uh, Cassius King? Oh, oh, are they winning more in bidding wars or are they, you know – stacking up closer to winning, or how is that working out for all of you? It is definitely working, except I had two situations in the last three months where I represented the seller both times, and we had five or six offers on both properties. Not one of them was cash. And we were getting a little concerned because the numbers were getting so high, I was very worried that the apartments would not appraise. And this is a problem I think we also have to address. Yeah, well, that was my next question. Niall, what are you (laughs) seeing out there with appraisals and some of these inflated um, accepted prices? I think in general, I mean, new comps are being made every day, you know, which makes it difficult for appraisals. I'll give you an example. I have have a listing that hasn't even sold yet, but I just had an accepted offer. And I was contacted by another broker who has a relative comp in the area, and he's like, look, the appraiser can't find any comps um, for, for you know, this apartment. He's like, is there any way that you could just respond to this email that I write you saying that the apartment that you listed sold for above ask, and, you know, although you might be able, not be able to disclose the actual price. So I did that, and it ended up helping out. Um, the other broker tremendously, and he was, it was able to help him with the appraisal. So since these new comps are happening at, 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 on a daily basis and, and so quickly, you know, I think, you know, uh, brokers are, are doing, getting creative in, in trying to help the appraisers along um, with, with getting, you know, the, the properties appraised out. Well said. So 
question on the heels of that. What are you seeing percentage of hit and misses lately in this hot market? Uh, what do you mean by hit and miss? I feel that um, one of the ways to sort of make sure that there are more hits than misses is um, whenever possible in an environment with so many bids. Um, I mean, we do run into this, and I'm sure everybody else on the channel uh, experiences this as well, that people get into this bidding frenzy, and they start upping their bid and going crazy because it's competitive, and then five days later when it's time to sign the contract, um, you know, they may start saying, wait, did I just overbid and can I, did I really want to spend this kind of money on this, pro- on this particular property? So the buyers are more sort of, given the way the New York real estate market works, where you do have those few days lagging before you actually sign the contract, um, it's really important as the broker to sort of flush out how serious um, the, the, the buyers are. And one of the ways that I tend to do that is really try to get a no mortgage contingency because that Generally speaking, if a buyer is willing to agree to a no mortgage contingency, they're really serious and going to move forward and it won't become a myth. All right, guys, I have to run. So thank you for today. That's all for this week. Thank you for joining me. I'll be back next Monday morning at 9, 6 a.m. Pacific, live on the Variety Channel here on Voice America. You can always catch the show later in the day or anytime on our website voiceamerica.com. Remember, you can also tweet me at Vince Rocco. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 